Hallelujah, hallelujah. Welcome to another episode um, of the Word on Anchor. Today we are looking at key points for the New Testament believer. Um, so, without any waste of time, we are going to talk about three aspects um, of the Christian life. Um, number one, we'll be looking at the issue of faith, um, a very important cornerstone of the Christian faith. We'll also look at righteousness, justification, and or sanctification. And lastly, we will look at love, mainly the, the aim uh, the idea behind this podcast is really looking at um, how we relate to God as New Testament believers and how we relate to one another. So yeah, let's look at the first one, faith. Um, the, the main text for, for faith uh, our main reference is found in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, where it reads, It is impossible to please God without faith. Um, you know, this, this, this book, as I alluded in the previous podcast, um, the previous episode, this book really takes the, the, the New Testament believer from the Old Testament, um, comparing different truths and um, presenting the significance of Jesus Christ in our day. So, in the previous chapter, or maybe in the chapter to follow, the this believer tries to make a point on how most people in the Old Testament were justified on their basis or on the basis of faith. So faith really in this context is when we see these people believing God, um, believing God, where really there is no significant evidence, but they chose to rely on God's word. Um, and really that was really pleasing to God and we, we, we realize that because that pleased God God would often account those people as righteous one such person is Abraham who is the father of faith Abraham was told by God to leave his own country go out into a country it never known and because Abraham believed God uh, and just set out according to the word God justified him as righteous and he also made Abraham the father of all who would later believe so we realize that 
through that act of obedience, God was able to establish the nation of Israel through Abraham. Um, so, well, why I'm really bringing this scripture into light is faith is the basis of pleasing God for the New Testament believer. For it says, he that comes to God, he or she, must believe. I like the word must. It is a must that we believe that he exists and he is a rewarder of all who diligently seek him. So as we approach God, the first thing God looks at in our hearts is faith. Do we have faith? Um, do we really believe that he exists, which is what the scriptures say. So once God is convinced that we believe, then he accounts that as righteousness towards us. So our relationship with God is faith-based. You know, the book of Romans says um, the relationship is from faith to faith, established in faith, continuing in faith, and shall end in faith. Most Christians, uh, well, the focus of the New Testament believer is that Jesus is coming back and he shall take us um, to heaven for a time while he establishes peace on earth. Um, or when he executes judgment on all who, who refuse to believe, you know, so... That is faith. We, we behave now in accordance to our faith. And when God sees that behavior, he is pleased with us. So in Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2, um, the writer having expounded on faith, he then directs our faith to Jesus as the object of our faith. Like we, we, we did say, in the previous podcast, that Jesus is the object of our faith. So, as Jesus and the Word are synonymous, when we believe God, we must believe on the basis of Jesus. We must believe on the basis of the Word of God. Okay? So then secondly, we want to look at righteousness justification, sanctification. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 10, we have a history of sacrifices being made for God's favor and sanctification in the Old Testament. This is where we find animal sacrifices to atone for the sins of men. Um, but in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 10, We, we, are, we are made to see that the will of God is that the New Testament believer is sanctified through the offering of Jesus Christ once and for all. I like that. Once and for all. So the sacrifice of Jesus uh, is enough. Um, in the scripture, we have a, an Old Testament prophecy whereby Jesus said, Sacrifices and burnt offerings you did not desire, 
a body you have prepared for me and I have come to do your will, O God. So then the writer says in verse 10, the will of God is that we be sanctified through the offering of Jesus Christ once and for all. So Jesus is enough. His offering is enough. We do not need any other thing for our sanctification. Um, the offering of Jesus Christ makes us sanctified. Verse 14, for by one offering, he has perfected those that are being sanctified. Uh, I'm sure most Christians would argue with me if I were to say, you are perfect in God's sight. As a Christian, as one who, who believes in Jesus, you are perfect in God's sight. Jesus has perfected everyone. He has fulfilled every requirement that God has. Uh, then in verse 19, we, we are given this directive to have boldness and enter the holiest of holies by the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, the, the holiest of holies has an interesting background. Uh, this was the most holy place in the tabernacle of God. Um, maybe in, we, will re, we will remember that in the Old Testament, there was a physical tabernacle of God. And this was the holiest of holies. Um, it was divided into three segments. There was the holy place. We had the holiest of holies and we had the outer court, you know. So maybe the outer court would be where the animal sacrifices are made, you know, and then the blood would be brought by the, this believer into the holy place. And then the holy of holies, there was a curtain that covered. This is where the presence of God dwelt, you know. And the priest, no matter how, how sanctified he had been made by the blood of these animals, he was still not allowed to enter the Holy of Holies. The situation was terrible that if it happened that the priest was unholy, as he would enter the holy place, he would just die. He would just die. I don't want to get into the details of how he would die. But they had a huge chain that they would chain him to his ankles. And he had bells and whistles um, on his robes that would chime as he was carrying out his duties in the outer court, in the, in the holy place, sanctifying the children of Israel. But still, that was not enough because he would have to do it annually. He would have to do it, you know, whenever someone had committed a sin, you know, it, it was just too much work. But then the writer here says, Jesus' sacrifice is enough. He has achieved it once and for all. Jesus has entered the Holy of Holies where God is with his own blood now, not with the blood of animals, with his own blood. 
And the blood of Jesus speaks better things than the blood of Abel. It speaks on our behalf. So now when God sees us as New Testament believers, he sees us uh, on the basis of the blood of Jesus Christ, or he sees us through the blood, which is why um, when, when, when the children of Israel were in Egypt, um, as God was executing judgment on Egypt, they were admonished to smear blood on their doorposts. And the, 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 the idea behind that was when the angel of death sees the blood, he will pass over that particular household. Of course, the, the Egyptian households did not have the blood on their doorposts um, because that signifies that they, did, they were not believers. Therefore, the judgment of God was ex executed upon them. So the blood of Jesus um, speaks better things. It covers us. It protects us from God's judgment um, on earth. So we, we are given this command that we should enter boldly into the Holy of Holies. We will not die when we enter the Holy of Holies because of the blood of Jesus. That is found in verse 19. Um, hallelujah. Then verse 22, we are also admonished to draw near with full assurance of faith. So you, you realize that I did say that our journey is from faith to faith. Faith to faith. Always we are in faith. We are to be found in faith. Amen. So then we will look at the issue of righteousness. Um, when we look at the book of Romans, chapter 3, verse 21 to 26, we find that there is a righteousness of God apart from the law. So there was a law which was effected in the Old Testament to sort of produce some form of righteousness amongst the people. But then in the New Testament, Paul says in Romans, um, there is a righteousness of God which can be found apart from the law, which is faith in Christ Jesus. To all and on all who believe, there is no difference. Hallelujah. So we, we still find the same theme, faith, faith, faith. So faith in Christ Jesus accounts us as righteous in God's sight. Verse 26, uh, God alone is just. And he justifies all who have faith in Jesus Christ. So God is the judge on earth. He is the one who executes judgment. And since God has given us Jesus to be our justification, now in, when we are in Christ, God is able now to justify us, not on our own account, but on the basis of Jesus Christ. Um, so... You know, the, these are interesting truths that we find in the scripture that we really need in our day because so many Christians struggle with um, these issues. You, you find a Christian praying for righteousness. You find a Christian praying for justification. You find a Christian hoping for sanctification, hoping to be perfect in God's sight, you know. The New Testament believer does not do anything to achieve favor in God's sight. 
we are already justified through the blood of Jesus, through the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ. I think in our next podcast, not sure if it will be the next one, but we will really expound on the whole idea, the plan. What did Jesus do? Um, what did it mean? Why did he do all these things? So, yeah. Now, coming to an interesting topic, an interesting topic. Why do we sin and how do we deal with sin? The first thing we need to understand is that God has placed all sin on Jesus. Your past sins, your present sins, your future sins were all imputed onto Jesus. And Romans says, there is therefore now no condemnation for the New Testament believer. Because the New Testament believer is in Christ. So you do not have to expect any form of judgment from God. God will not judge anyone. So does this mean we should keep on sinning? That is, uh, really, I have an emphatic no uh, as a response. Um, we need to understand that we will always deal with sin. Um, which means, as long as we are alive, we will always have to encounter sin in one way or the other. And um, sometimes we will win, and sometimes we will not. Um, and that does not change how God views us. Because God, as we have said, God views us through the blood. It's like the lens he has when he views us is the blood of Jesus Christ. So really he does not view us uh, according to our sins. But our sin really affects our response towards God. You remember uh, in the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve had sinned, you know, God still wanted to come fellowship with them, but they hid from God, you know. So that is what sin does. It breaks our fellowship with God. Uh, we feel less confident and want to hide from God. So the New Testament believer really should, however, when faced with sin, run towards God as opposed to running away from God. Because he has the remedy for our sin. And really, he has already remedied our sin. You know, it's like running away from someone who does not see what you are doing. Because he views you through the blood of Jesus Christ. All he wants is to fellowship with us. You know, it's really amazing how God has broken every hindrance just to, to maintain fellowship with us. All he wants, it's like having someone being so interested in you that he removes everything that worries you so that you are able to enjoy fellowship with that person. I think that's love. You know, that is what we mean when we say God loves us. Um, so really, the New Testament believer should understand this and run towards God as opposed to running away from God. So really we have the power to do this because sin has no power over 
the, the, the New Testament believer. The Old Testament believer could not do this because really they had no power over sin. Sin had no much so much power over them. But Jesus came, I think that's found in Romans chapter 6, he came to break the power of sin over our lives. So now we, we are not compelled to sin, but we have power over sin. So we can, when, when we happen to fall into sin, we can rise up again and run towards God, really. Because the, the New Testament believe, Old Testament believer was prone to sin. Really, they had no power. They had to sin after sin after sin after sin. So, you know, until God saw, see, these people really have, they, they cannot achieve that. They cannot achieve their own righteousness. So that is why he gave us Jesus. Amen. So, um, I think that's that, that has been addressed. Um, I'd love to hear from the comments. Uh, you can maybe email us or leave a few comments or reviews on the podcast. But I think we have addressed those key, two key issues in the Christian life. Now, the last one is how do we relate to one another as New Testament believers? How do we relate to one another as New Testament believers? I like how Paul writes the book of Romans chapter 12. He says, in view of God's mercy, why don't you offer yourself as a living sacrifice? So uh, I, I'll use this, I'll borrow the same words and say, in view of such kindness that God has extended to us as mankind, how can we be unkind to one another? Hmm. Jesus makes a parable where he says, there was one man who owed his boss so much money. Really, he could not repay it. And this thing was a burden upon him. And then, seeing that burden, the master said to him, I forgive you. You do not have to pay me. Just go, you are free. The Bible records that this man was so excited. Probably he was a slave because the Bible records that he was then released. But the interesting thing is, when this man was released, he met someone who owed him. And the Bible says, the amount this person was owed was so insignificant in compared to what this man had just been pardoned from. But the Bible says this man was so stringent on this person that he demanded every penny from this person. He was so cruel to this person who owed him far less than he had just than he had been forgiven. Then the Bible says, the owner or the slave master heard about this. And then he called him and said, how can you be unkind when I've just forgiven you such a huge debt? 
he was thrown into prison and he was told, you will never be released until you have paid every penny that you owe. That is a parable Jesus made. The point behind this parable is, if God has done so much for us as believers, if God has loved us so much, how are we able to be unkind towards one another? How do we carry so much hate towards one another? Which is why the book of First John says, really, you cannot say you love God if you hate your neighbor. Because what God has done for us should trigger a love towards him and a love to him. It should really make us jolly like this man was so, so happy. Uh, to bring this into context, how would you feel if the bank would call you one day and say, your house payment has just been cancelled, we forgive you. You would be so excited. You would love that bank. You would speak highly of that bank. You know, that is what God expects from us. He expects us to love him because of the love he is. That is why he says, the book of John says, we love him because he first loved us. You know, we love him because he first loved us. So God's love is unconditional towards us and he expects us to give out unconditional love. So our response to God's kindness is our love to God and our expression of love to God is our love for our neighbors. Um, to sort of close this chapter, um, I will read from the book of First Corinthians chapter 13. Uh, we'll really contextualize love, define and contextualize love. So, we'll read from the book of First Corinthians chapter 13. I'll just read the whole chapter. Though I speak with tongues of men and of angels, but I have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burnt, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. Is not puffed up. Love does not behave rudely. Love does not seek its own. Love is not provoked. Love thinks no evil. Love does not rejoice in iniquity, but love rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. Love endures all things. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will fail. Where, are, where there are tongues, they will cease. Where there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part and prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, 
then that which is part will be done away with. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away all childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I am also known. Last verse. And now abide faith, hope, and love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. So in order to contextualize this, I will ask a few questions, something to think about as we relate to our neighbors. Are we long-suffering towards our neighbors? Are we kind towards our neighbors? Are we not envious? Do we parade ourselves? Are we puffed up? Are we behaving rudely? Are we seeking our own? Are we easily provoked? Do we think evil things of other people? Do we rejoice in iniquity? Or do we rejoice in the truth? Are we forbearing with our neighbors? Do we believe in our neighbors? Are we hopeful? Do we endure? Do we endure our neighbors? Because if we do all these things that are listed in this book, only then can we say we love. Amen. Now I will offer up a short prayer. Um, maybe there is anyone who is listening to this podcast who does not know Jesus, who has not heard of Jesus, and would like to accept Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. I accepted Jesus in my own room. I was alone. I looked at my life, I realized that my life was just going down the drain. I was a drug addict. All forms of sin were found in my life. But then I decided to just kneel down and offer up my life to God. So if you are listening to this podcast and you do not know Jesus, let's pray this prayer together. Father God, we come to you in the name of Jesus Christ. We have heard about Jesus. We have heard about how you justify us on the basis of faith towards Jesus Christ. We ask today that you forgive us of all our trespasses, wash away every sin, cleanse our conscience. We place our faith on Jesus Christ as the atonement for our sins. We place our focus on Jesus as our source of righteousness. 
thank you, Lord, for all you have done for us. We lay our lives before you. May this work that you have begun in our lives be carried out to completion. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. So, if you have just prayed this prayer with me, I encourage you to to really follow your heart. You have a new heart now. You have new desires. God will do all those things in your heart by his spirit. Just follow after them. Read the word of God. Spend more time in fellowship with God. You can even listen to this podcast as we discuss more about Jesus. Welcome to the family. Amen. Now to everyone else, thank you for listening to this podcast. Thank you for joining us. Um, thank you for always tuning in. May God truly, truly, truly bless you. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen.